It's not gonna happen. It was just a lead in. Uh, he's like, it's so sensitive to. Uh... All right, guys, what is up? We got Billy on the podcast. Whoop, whoop. What, what's your last name? Brandenburg. Billy Brandenburg, my sponsor, my AA sponsor, my fifth sponsor, my best sponsor by far. Whoa, fifth sponsor. Very important relationship in my life. And you were just saying your life has been hard. Yeah. Or just this week or today. He called me earlier today. Wickham, actually, we were having lunch. Is it too loud? Yeah. This is too, <laughs> too, too loud. Uh, Billy. Billy has sensitive ears. He has Meniere's disease. Like basically, vertigo, oh. basically vertigo. Is it still too loud? Yeah. I turned you way down. <laughs> I mean, I might as well just. Is it the. Yeah. I just like turn as much as you can without putting it on me. So we were eating at Harold's and um, we found out. Well, we, we, we had found out that Mac Miller died from an overdose earlier that day. Um, actually, you you told me about it. Yeah. When, when when and and Wickham said, "Oh, you want to do another podcast tonight?" Because we did one last night, and, and I was like, "Sure." What he's like, "Is there anyone that you know that's like that's like in recovery that can speak on like disease?" And then you literally called me right after he said that, mm. which you don't call me a whole lot. I'm usually calling Billy because I'm the sponsee and I'm the one that's usually complaining, mm. and um, it just seemed like the appropriate thing to ask like because you were saying because honest i mean he od it's 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 he's dead because of this disease i mean whether you want to call it a disease or not whatever people get addicted to drugs and alcohol and they fucking die um so yeah so i asked you you want to come on and uh here he is so it was kind of like a divine it's kind of interesting the universe wanted you here billy yes yeah, so make sure you're... And I'm just tripping because you guys are so loud, but cool. Really? Oh, yeah. you're not as loud as us? Uh-uh, not, not at all. But maybe well, that's because you're talking right yeah, in here. Yeah, like you got to talk into the mic. All right. I mean, I just turned you basically all the way down. Thank you. Is it a little better now? That's better. Okay, cool. So you had a rough day and... Yeah, I tripped out and wigged out. You were the sponsor today. Yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, it was good, you know. I, I made it. Yeah. It's usually what I say at the end of the week is, oh, my God, I can't believe I made it. I mean, we usually make it. Yeah. We, we've been making it our, yeah. whole li- our whole lives. And Pat was talking about how today, like, alcoholics are so, like, we always think everything's the end of the world. Oh, you yeah. know? Like, every little thing's the yeah. fucking end of the world. But was, it's not. It's cool. It's chill. I was saying how, like, I realize Nate's not a real alcoholic because, like, the intensity is not there. Mm. I mean, it is there temporarily, but like for me, it lasts. I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I can go from kill a motherfucker to like love and tears of joy, you yeah. know, all within an hour or something. And it's real in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know that I don't know if that's normal or not. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I think it's normal for intense people or like sick people. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, we're definitely... D- dating a normie 
has really been a good way for me to see how crazy I am because I remember like maybe like a year ago I was uh, like tripping and um, uh, I was like planning to relapse. Not like hardcore, but I was just thinking about it and I was just like over it and I wanted to relapse and I was telling my girlfriend and she was a, can you not hear me? No, you're really loud. You're way louder than Pat. Okay, so now, what about now? Keep going. Sorry. Hello. Yeah, that's better. That's better. I mean, I turned them all over here. Thank you. It's all the way down. Thank you. I appreciate that. Can you hear anything? Yeah. Really? I can can hear you just from talking. But there's nothing. Can you hear me now? Yeah, he's still really loud. I don't know. It's something with the whatever, but I'll deal with it. So wait, you can hear him, but not me? Now I can hear you. Oh, yeah, you can hear me. Yeah, you guys are still loud to me, but I'm like maybe super sensitive. Yeah, I'll deal with it. Uh, now now I'm super loud. Whoa. What up? Um, I'm not sure. Cool. Okay, what, what about now? Hello? Yeah, now it's off. Yeah, now it's loud. Um, you could, you could not wear headphones. Yeah, I know, but you, you, you're like, yeah, you don't need to wear headphones. Okay. I mean, you, that'll you're, solve you're, the problem right there. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're. This is not like a headphone out. It's weird. I mean, there's a headphone icon right there. Yeah, but this also, like, you want this on input. Like, listen now. Hello? Huh. Like, here, keep talking. Hello, 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 hello. Whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, so you want that on input. Okay. You want this on mic line. Um, Mic line. Um, I don't don't know what this is. I don't know if this is, yeah, headphone one, two, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's what it should sound like. Yeah. This is like, so you could just cut that little section out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and which one is he? He's, he's two? He's two. Um, what were you saying? Oh, I was talking about being dating a normie. Oh, yeah. Continue. Um, yeah, and uh, I was like, yeah, I think I want to start drinking again. And she was like very, she got very serious and she was like, really didn't want me to, but I thought she'd be down because she was a normie and be the, like, wouldn't understand. It was like my manipulative way of like trying to get someone to co-sign my bullshit. Cause I didn't go to my sponsor about it. Cause I knew he'd try to talk me out of it. Um, and she was like, no, I don't want you to. And I was like, why? I could like drink with you and stuff. And she said, you're so emotionally unstable now. Hmm. I couldn't even begin to imagine what you'd be like drinking and getting high. And hmm. I was like, fuck, wow. You know, and that really highlighted how unstable I am as an alcoholic, even sober. Hmm. You seem pretty like chill and cool to me, but I, don't know, I only see you once in a while. Yeah. Is he emotionally unstable? Um, yeah. A little bit? Yeah, I mean, he, he, he doesn't. 
Yeah, I think it's, so. I, I'm good at hiding it, you know? Like, a lot of people think I'm, like, permastone. Like, I'm really, like, calm and, like... Yeah, he's I've good. I've been he's told just, I'm, he's... like, permastone, but then, like, I have a lot of shit going on in my head that, like, most people can't tell. Yeah, he's super sensitive. I'll say, like, one little fucking thing. Like, you know, you forgot this, and, like, a week later, he'll be like, I couldn't sleep because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know? Like, he's like us. We're just super sensitive, and I'm sure that his girlfriend gets, like, the truth more yeah, of the truth for about, sure she about does. that. So, um, why don't you give us a quick little, like, so Billy grew up in, 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 in Topanga. Uh, I grew up in the Valley mostly. And how much time do you have? And Topanga off and on 20 years. You're sober 20 years. Maybe 21. Yeah. And you're in a NWA video. I am hundred miles and running Wait, for like what? a blip. <laughs> Wait, what? But yeah, yeah, that's that's not important. What's important is just a quick summary. I feel like I, I've been trying to focus more on like getting to the point, like in the podcast and like covering ground. Like, All right, let's hear it. What? To ask me a question because I don't really have much to say. Oh no, I just want to hear like your like a quick summary of your life. Oh fuck. Um, I know that's kind of tricky, but like you're okay. so people get an idea. Okay, like um, my parents were in the circus. My mom was a trapeze artist. By the time she got pregnant enough with me where she couldn't do that anymore, uh, I came along and my earliest memories are the campgrounds of Yosemite because my mom was a climber back in the late 60s. And we were just kind of... Uh, what would you call it like uh, travelers or something um most of my childhood was like hiking and climbing and so much so that i'd be out on a on a climb or something and i remember this vividly i don't know how old i was i was young maybe seven and i accidentally sat on somebody's hand and it was so soft and felt so good because I had been sitting on granite and dirt <laughs> oh for so long. Oh my God, that is such a crazy memory. And like, I, and then I remember looking in the mirror and we were all sucked up because we were living off of like rations and shit out <laughs> climbing. It was like no joke. They were serious climbers. I, I mean, Yosemite, you know, those big faces and stuff. Yeah. And somehow I just, you know, was a little kid and I got dragged along. Wow. And like my babysitter was... This was back, like, if you've seen that documentary, like, she knew these guys who are legends now, like the guy who owns Patagonia, Yvonne or Chenard or whatever. She was friends with these people. And uh, back then in Yosemite, you could just go and camp. And uh, we spent a lot of time there. And uh, my babysitter was this derelict dude, like this. Anyway, so kind of a crazy life and my mom was uh you know she liked to steal and she liked to uh defraud the government and things like this so she went to jail off and on and i spent some time in foster care and here and there and homeless and you know many near-death experiences before i was even 12 years old Crazy motorcycle accidents that, uh, you know, no helmets. Just, I don't even know how I'm alive. Guns to my head. All this before I was even a teenager. Mm. Um, drugs introduced. They taught me to smoke the bong when I was like five or six. And they called me Billy Bong ever since. 
So you were just hitting the bong when you were like seven. They taught me how. I mean, I don't remember being high that when I was seven, but, you but like, I remember trying to do it. Yeah, Billy Bong. And I remember being called Billy Bong after that. Yeah. Mm. Um. Teenage years institutionalized in the system, order the court. Yeah, that makes sense when 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 your kid's seven and you're. His nickname's Billy Bong because you taught yeah. him to hit the bong when he's seven. That's crazy. The, the next thing that happens is your kid ends up in jail. I mean, unless something miraculous occurs and they somehow learn the right thing when they're being taught the wrong thing. Well, seems like not the best way to raise a kid. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my mom smoked weed with me too. My mom didn't really smoke weed though. It was my relatives. Oh. Uh, Okay, so you're in fucking, now you're in like in and out of juvie and shit. Mm-hmm. And you're just getting loaded. And you're like, mm-hmm. what, 15, 16? 13, 14, yeah. Mm. Um, I was incarcerated at 14 and I didn't get out till I was 19. Oh. Yeah. So I feel I was, like you've told me this and I kind of forgot. It was a long period of time and, and actually it was a really blessing. It was a blessing. You spent four or five years in juvie. Yeah, most of my teenage years. Not in juvie. I was in juvie and then after a while you go to a placement. They call it like a boy's home. Oh. And for me it was fucking wonderful because I grew up like, you know, fucking just nuts. No, no parental anything and so to have no structure, structure no, yeah to have no that food, stuff i no flourished sleep. i became a like a scholar athlete i joined the swim team i got good grades job girlfriend like normal things that i had never even knew what those were that's like an example of the system actually working it really was just i don't know where i'd be today that's incredible yeah. see like when kids actually have lack and it's actually not their fault that they're in mm. the situation they're in. <laughs> like, yeah. you got what you, you deserved, which was like a home and some food, which no kid should be without. That's crazy. When you're fucking 13, that's like just... So then you got out of there. Then I started doing drugs again, yeah. And uh, kind of just picked up where I left off and... Um Moved to Humble County because that was my dream. Tried to go to school, but had no financial support. And um, I don't know. I mean, I've been uh, all over the place. Um, and then how'd you get sober? Um, as soon as I came back from Humble, I knew I wanted to be sober, and I started trying by going to AA meetings. They introduced me to AA and, and the institution. And I knew right away I was an addict, and I really related. And um, so I started going to AA, and I went to AA for like five or six years, and I couldn't stay. I couldn't do it. Mm. I just, and I kept going. I had nowhere else to go. I mean, sometimes I'd even sleep in front of the AA back when they had those halls, like what are the Alano Club type places where they have meetings all day long. I would just sleep out there sometimes. Did you hear how much? How bet how much better it sounds now that the AC just turned off? No, I you didn't. didn't notice that. <laughs> no. <clears throat> so you were like going, but you weren't really. You didn't really. You weren't really ready to get sober, but you were like hanging around the meetings. I and guess shit. not. Yeah. There's a difference of like really wanting to be sober and just wanting the pain to go away. I mean, right? It, it takes a lot. I don't even. You know, for me, it took. It's like a divine miracle. 
I don't know how people get sober or how they do it. It was almost impossible, it seems. But you did. I did it. So you spent five years. So did you, and so did he. Yeah, so but you you spent five years hanging around. I kept coming, yeah, I kept coming. And then something must have happened. You don't really remember exactly what that was? Well, I know. It just sounds like a lot of boring stuff, though, but yeah. No, I want to know. Some people might... Some people might think it's boring and then they can just change their thing. Fuck them. I don't give a shit about them. I mean, okay. I care. I don't not care about them, but they don't need to listen. But I think there will, if one person hears this and gets help or decides maybe they want to actually try getting sober, one person, it's, is it not totally worth it? That's what it's all about. Isn't it? I mean, so... I mean, dude, like I've already had like fans hit me up talking about like, I'm, uh, I, that helped me so much that, that podcast, that recovery podcast or, or, or this chick in Vegas I know, um, you know, it was like a meeting for her, you know? So I, I do want to know what happened. What, what was the difference between you spending five years not doing shit? Well, I guess you heard some shit probably in the meetings. But then you, at some point, were ready. So AA was another one of those things. It was God sent. And I would go back to the meetings and see the same people. And even though I didn't know anybody and I was really shy and quiet, it was just so reassuring when you come from complete chaos off the street and you go into a meeting and the same people sit in the same places. And it was like the only refuge that I had. And I just kept coming back, and I, I finally got about nine months and was working steps with somebody. And you know how the mind is. It's like it wants us to be using. So I decided that you know I needed to have two jobs, a girlfriend, and go to school, and all this stuff was really important. And someone told me, look, if you don't make AA number one in your life, like for real, you're not going to be here. And, and he was right. And so I ran into that guy again after... Being sober for a while, using mostly weed and crystal meth, uh, and realizing instantly, once I got high again, like, oh my God, I was doing it. I was doing what I've been trying to do for like a, five years, and and how good my life was going. And it, I didn't realize it till I'd done this more than once, that once you get high, once you break, once you let the sobriety go, you realize, wow, I was really doing well but I couldn't see it. And I saw this guy, and he became my sponsor, and he's like, okay, you know, AA is number one. becomes before all else. Sobriety is number one. And number two is when you go to a meeting, you got to sit through a meeting, you show up early, and you stay till the end out of respect. And this guy was my first sponsor, and somehow it worked. Somehow it worked with this guy, Blake. And, you know, it's a miserable fuck sober for a long time and i was fucking stinky and the only reason i got up out of bed is to smoke cigarettes you were yeah fucking mess for a long time Mm. and i had fucking horrible acne like so bad Mm. that when i'd sit in a chair it would hurt because my back was covered wow acne and uh just pretty miserable (laughs) pretty fucking miserable (laughs) how old were you 26 wow um, and now you got time and you're sober and, um, 
That's good. And Mac Miller just died. Yeah. Crazy. And Wickham was talking about how... That he died of a drug overdose. But you were also talking about his last album being dark and then him never coming back from that. And Yeah, he uh, he started off as like very, you know, happy dude with like snapbacks and, you know, tank tops and rapping about weed. And um, he was like a really happy dude. And then he kind of got like a lot into drugs. And uh, he, he had this album. Was it wasn't his last album. It was actually, this was like a few years ago. Called It was called Watching Movies with the Sound Off. It was a very like, abstract, very dark, existentially dreadful album. And it was clearly like an alcoholics, like, like him just doing so much drugs and really talking about the dread of being in that. And ever since then, he's tried to like come back to that happy kid he was and he could never do it. And uh, it almost like fucked him up for a while. And then like even his last album, it wasn't, I don't think it was that good um because he's like permanently different and he's been on this downward slope ever since then and he was dating ariana grodne and then she broke up with him and got engaged like three weeks after and then but and now he's dead i i i i just i see like this we talk about this a lot when we do step work and shit or just when we talk it's just this this humility thing it's like how do you how, how do you you know, you date Ariana Grande, you're like, you're on top, you're hot, like you're like the most poppin' rapper. And then like you start becoming irrelevant. Yeah. Which happens more so today than ever. And then you're like drinking and like, you know, you're, you're, you're just unhappy because you're not, you don't have what you think you want, which is like this success thing. And, and I just feel like it's, it seems like the theme for Chester, Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, um, the singer of Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, um, maybe not Little Peep, but maybe because like it's never enough. Yeah. So it's like he was pretty addicted. He was an addict. Yeah, and sure. then I, I don't know. I think of Mel Gibson for some reason because like. <laughs> You know, how do you, I just feel like people don't understand how you could have so much and still not be happy without drugs and alcohol. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. Do you get that? I think people get that. I think people know that. I I mean, my parents definitely don't get it. Really? What did they say? Why would he throw that all away? Mm. Well, I mean, like. Not only I, I, like they, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that, like, like I don't think mo- I think most people know that. I feel okay, like so okay, so you you here's an Oscar for best picture of the year. Mm-hmm. You're an alcoholic. If you drink, you're gonna it's gonna be bad. Like you're gonna yeah. you're gonna go drink. I don't think people understand why you would go and do that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Or, 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 or like just or kill yourself if you're fucking Chester, the big singer of one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Yeah. So like what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, growing up poor as shit and being on welfare and all that stuff is uh, you know, I I'm a lot of the time I hate the rich fuck. 
right? That's just yeah. in my head. Fuck, you know, fuck the world and fuck everybody with money and fuck the breeders, you know? The breeders. That's what I used to call people, like normal people that live in suburbia because mm. they make the babies. breeders. Yeah. I like that. You're so much louder. And uh, so, it's you crazy. know, I vacillate from uh, just seeing people as people to you know fuck the motherfucker yeah but, well the humility thing is everybody's a person you know everyone takes a shit and everyone if they have kids you know their kids sass them like I, I was listening to the Paul McCartney and Marin podcast and you know he's the most iconic guy he's a beetle right yeah but he's still it's just a dude fucking dude that has kids that he yeah. has to deal with and uh -huh. shit and all that fame and money doesn't make his kids like any easier to raise although it will be easier because he has help it could be if you hired a nanny yeah, some, in some ways but in some ways that could distance you from your kids so i think everyone has to live life and they're all fucking people and they're all miserable fucks <laughs> and you know we need help at least i do you know i need a lot of help well ringo ringo's in the program right yeah. i've met i've met someone who's a. Uh, who went to a meeting with Eddie like when he speaks, My grand he's really sponsor funny about is it. his drum tech. Oh wow. Yeah, he's like yeah. he, he and, says and, at and, meetings he and our his grand sponsor is a, a good friend of mine too and he's a guy that we we go to meetings with who has a lot of sobriety who's he's like a, a guy. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He says at meeting like he'll be funny about it. He'll be like, "Yeah, I was in a band once." Like he'll say shit. But wait, like why that. why doesn't he come to primetime? That's interesting. I didn't realize Ringo? Yeah. He's probably busy. I don't know. Doing, I don't even know where he lives. Does yeah, I don't he think he here? lives around here. The meeting right. that he, my friend saw him at was like far. I forgot where it was. Primetime is a meeting that me and Billy go to that actually, well, you, you had mentioned being miserable for a lot of your sobriety. Um, and that was sort of the case for me too. But there's this other meeting that we found, which it, it kind of, it kind of talks about how you, how to be aware of like your mind and, it sort of defines alcoholism for, for what it really is, which is like an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, um, selfish, self-centered mind, which is, once I realize that's like how I am, without like help, that's how I'm going to be when I wake up. Once I realize that, I'm like, oh, okay. Now that I'm aware of it, I can like start, start, start trying to change well, it. Well, you brought up humility. And so the thing is that I think even if you're a rock star, you got to have it. If you want to have any peace and enjoy your life, um, humility is essential. It's an essential ingredient of, of having a peaceful, productive life. <laughs> I mean, no matter who you are. It's yeah. Pretty simple. I like how you say that. But it's, 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 hard. it's hard to have it a lot of the time, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it's definitely a practice. How do you do it? Well, it's so ingrained in my head from practicing it and reading the literature and going to meetings, but truly, like, like I was so fucked up, and I have this Meniere's, which is a debilitating physical thing where the, the quality of life is so bad you wish it was fatal you know you wish you would die and somehow in that and going to prime time and i was a deep in fucking sex addiction that you know i was ready to kill myself in sobriety and that's how i got real serious i got real serious like you know either i'm going to do something 
for real or I'm going to kill myself because, you know, I'm on 12 years sobriety and, and I fucking hate myself. And I'm using people and life is empty and I'm getting deeper down this rabbit hole of like fucking perversion and weird shit that's just, it's freaking me out. And so uh, I end up in prime time and um, I decided to just do the best I could, which wasn't very good. But at any given moment in the day, I would repeat a principle or talk to God, you know, and even though I felt scattered and, and fucked up, I could go to this higher power and be like, can you just, can you just fucking help me? God, look at me. I'm thinking this. I want to do this. I, I don't have the power not to do it. It's just like drugs. I felt it in my gut. I was fucking jonesing for this shit, right? And I could never not do it. I've been trying for years. It's I've been in so other- hard. I could feel it twist it's physically. Like, it's like you're just, you just, you like, if I want a cigarette at night and I don't have any, I'm just going to get one. Yeah, you're going to do I, it. I, I just, it's so crazy. And you'll even drive an hour if you oh, have to. Oh, I'll drive. <laughs> and once my mind is set on the thing that I want, whether it's a cigarette or a, a hit of weed or a, a shot of dope or success in the music industry or to be a big famous director or whatever it is, once I get my mind set on that thing, I got to fucking have it. And I'll yeah. do anything it takes to get it yeah, so that's that's where I was at. And I'm like, God, basically, I remember this. God, if you're for real, if there's really a God of this thing they're talking about in AA, if this is real, then then you got to do something because I'm going to go do what I always do. I can't not do it. And I didn't do it. I didn't do what I always do. And then I did it again and again, and I started to realize it's so subtle and so quiet. It's not like a loud, it's not like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am type thing. It's like yeah. a subtle like wow that worked so subtle that the next day i could forget that it worked that me going to god for real like soul to soul really worked and i I started to realize this is working and even though i had this this horrible physical problem and you know it's just riddled with all kinds of neuroses and sex issues and whatever somehow doing that and building this relationship with this power greater than myself, I, I started a business and I got married and I have a family and all these things that I thought were never, you know, I was in my 40s and I was broken, like physically, like a lot of the time I couldn't even barely get to the toilet, which was only like 15 steps away because of the vertigo from this illness. Mm. And basically I just thought it was all over and somehow five years later, my little daughter's crying when I came here because she wants me to stay. You know, she's out there in the in the parking lot with Mama, like crying. Where you know, come on. She was sad that I was leaving, and fucking that's a. Not that it's good that she was crying, but someone that cares that much or wants you around that much, it's pretty deep, mm. right? Someone that wants you that much, and so. I would have missed out on a lot of things and and like even though I'm severely broken somehow a day at a time this humility and and stuff is working and you know Pat helped me with start my business off and now it's supporting us and you know all kinds of stuff uh, that um, you know I never kept a job I said fuck you to every single job and just walked off I didn't even collect paychecks I'm just like fuck you I'm out of here so, so uh, this is not a 
not a worker. Yeah, so that's the thing is like we all have this rebellious nature. Like addicts and alcoholics are rebellious by nature. So we're the least likely to hear this message. But we're the 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 ones who need it the most. So <clears throat> um we're, we rebel against the idea of, of anything we hear, especially God. So like this God thing is weird. Like even just saying the word, like people that know me, like I'm not that dude. And I've always thought dudes that were that dude were like not cool or like they Corny. didn't. Yeah, they didn't get it, right? So in you too, I'm sure, Wickham. Oh, for sure. So and then sure. especially you, Billy. You were like, what, like, what, what was, what, how, what did you think about like God? I mean, and I don't want it to sound like we've been converted because it's like different. It's like, how do you explain? Well, here's the God I go to. So when I was a little kid hiking around in the mountains in Topanga Canyon and, and don't get me wrong, there was a lot of magic in my childhood. Like it was different, but how many kids spend, you know, almost every day hiking through the mountains or at the beach or somewhere amazing? I mean, Not yeah, many. That, that, that's, that's, so, there's something there. So I, I remember feeling like a, that's the God. When I felt that joy of being in nature as a kid, that's like how I see God. It's not religion and it's not EAA and God is, is. So yeah, I'm a fucking anti-Christian and I don't like religion. And then I, I vacillate from fuck the breeders and the fuck the rich fucks and fuck the religion to thank God that there is a God because mm-hmm. I would be completely fucked. And, you know, thank God there's normal life. And thank God I got to be a breeder because it's really, for me at this point in my life, after sowing many wild oats and trying all kinds of shit, I realize it's all empty. And for me at this point, there's nothing better than having a kid and a wife. Mm. Um, so, and it's all only possible by a God and I you know it's a choice I, I I choose to believe in a God yeah and it's it's like you said that one time that you you didn't know what to do because you were going towards the porn or the cigarettes I was or, going down hard and I don't you know I don't even want to get into it that much no. but we've all got our fucking rabbit right holes, so right? we all have our things and you couldn't not do it but you just kind of like let go a little bit and you were kind of just like all right I, I kind of I give up, sort of right. Yeah, it's almost a surrender. It is a surrender, and it also you feel small and humble when you do it. And I don't know what it is. You can call it whatever you want, but that ability to like let go and surrender and just not do the thing that you always do, you assimilated that to a higher power or a god, and that was like sort of the beginning of your faith. Yeah, well, that's where God is in the surrender. And when, 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 I, when I say surrender, it's not like, oh, please take the pain away. It's like, God, your life is mine now. If I die, to, if I die right now and that's your will, then your life is mine. And my kid gets run over by a Mack truck, your life is mine. Like when I tell you die to self, like really, give, all of, give it all over. Like, yeah, that's that's very hard to do, but that really and is. And it's got to be for real and, and pure in yours in mm-hmm. yourself and only you know if you're doing that. So that's where the peace exists 
in sobriety and I feel like out too. And that's kind of the bigger, that's, that's really what prevents people from really getting this thing, you know? And, and this all started with like, you know, the Mac Miller situation because it's really sad to have lost someone like that, but we've lost so many people like that. And, um, yeah. And it, 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 the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because we're talking about a real solution that has saved all of our lives and that is out there and it's available to anyone who's struggling with drugs and alcohol. Yeah, I have a story. So when Kurt Cobain died, it really affected me because I was going to the outpatient at the rehab that he was in Whoa. and give, the guy from the Butthole Surfers was there and uh -huh. somehow... I had a connection from the coffee shop I was working at and the lady would take me there. I didn't know who anybody was because I'm not, just not aware of celebrities that much. I just don't know who the fuck they are. I mean, Kurt Cobain, I knew his music and Gibby Haynes. I didn't even know who he was till I told a friend and he's, oh, that's a, you know. The and, butthole surfers are incredible. They've influenced yeah. so many people on their so And I just dumb. thought he was an interesting dude because the way he talked. And, I mean, and, just, and he had no shoelaces in his shoes. I mean, he just was like, an interesting guy yeah. like um and so Kurt Cobain was in there but he, I don't mind the sun sometimes as easy as it shows I can smell <laughs> you on my lips and taste you or in my nose he, I mean who would name their band the butthole surfers <laughs> this is the first thought I it's had. it's I really what is that the dude is fucking crazy but like super influential continue so Kurt Cobain jumped the wall uh, he didn't go to the meetings he was in like the detox or separated uh but he was there at the rehab he jumped the wall and he was dead like one or two days later the rehab you were at i was going to as an outpatient i was going to the meetings you know how they have meetings in those places so did you see him no but you knew he was there that somebody gibby or somebody somebody told me it was there yeah yeah so i mean that's that's what or i maybe heard it in the news or the media or somehow yeah. but i mean that's what we're talking about like you know scott weiland kurt cobain all these people and there's so many others that we never even heard of but it's like you know why why did he hop the wall you know he did he wasn't we probably just talking about it's it probably fucking jones and man yeah but like he wasn't Ready. We're rebellious. I mean, who's more right. rebellious than Kurt Cobain and defiant? Right. I don't want to fucking hear what you're talking about. Yeah. You yeah. can't well, tell yeah, me yeah. shit. What happens, you start feeling a little better, a little bit of the pain yeah. goes away, and then you're like... You, know, getting, you, you know. can't tell me shit. The ego has recuperative powers. You hit your knees because you don't want to do drugs anymore. You get a couple days sober, and you think you fucking know what you need to do. And it's very hard to keep that humility. That's why when we were talking to DDA, it was so cool to hear him talking about how this Lyme disease like helped him get humble. Oh, yeah, I like that one. That's that one, yeah, because I can have, relate to yeah, that. Yeah, like he has, like I've never met anyone that has more humility than Billy, and it's mm -hmm. sort of what I look I, I look up to that in him mm -hmm. and just, just, just talking to you on the phone sometimes, like I get a little bit of that and I remember like what life's all about and what the key to happiness is or peace really. And, um, you know, sometimes we need something to bring us to our knees, you know? So it's like the pain is the cornerstone to growth mm. and like pain, we see pain as something negative when really on the other end of it, it's like, it's a gift. It's a gift. 
I don't often look at it that way, but sometimes I even look at the veneers that way. Like there's no way I would be as surrendered or to the depths of, I guess, humility that without that. But I want to believe it's possible to have that without experiencing a life-threatening illness or disease. And I want to believe that someone like Kurt could have just opened up or someone like Mac Miller or, or whoever, or even Anthony Bourdain. I mean, these are people that like, they just really weren't able to hear the message. They weren't really able to, I mean, I don't really know. I don't want to like, yeah, we don't know. I don't really know, but I just, I definitely know for me, there was like a breaking point where it was like, okay, my will or like not my will. Like my will is like, okay, like I'm going to get sober, but I'm going to do this this way. And I'm going to do that that way. And I'm not going to really do the steps or I'm, I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking about the way I want it to look. And that's, that's my will. So that doesn't work for me. What works for me is completely letting go and calling and taking direction from someone else and just kind of being open to, 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 to a scenario that I wouldn't otherwise be open to going to a new meeting, um, trying to talk to someone that I wouldn't normally talk to listening, actually listening when I'm in humility, I actually can listen to someone else. I'm not so obsessed with what I have to say. Yeah, and you can actually enjoy listening to someone else, which is kind of new and exciting. And like really care. Yeah, like have a real true interest. Yeah, like how fucking sick and tired uh, am I of thinking about me? I mean, if you're listening right now, how much do you think about you? All the time. All the fucking time. Like... Always, always, constantly, and the key is to <laughs> there's not. A, there's a there's a guy at my home group who has this share. He shares once in a while about um, being of service, and he he like got shot on accident at one of our retreats. His sponsor was cleaning a gun on the floor below him and like shot up, and it shot him. And he was like hospitalized and all that, and he was like in the hospital or whatever, and he was fine. He's fine now, but he uh, he had this one sponsee call him and be like. Uh, He's like, how are you doing? And and then the guy was like, oh, I'm in the hospital. I got shot. And the guy's like, oh, wow. He wouldn't believe what she said this morning. Right. And then he just goes into himself. And then he's just like, oh, fuck. And then he like talks to him about that problem. And then he realized, he's like, oh, shit. Right now, I'm not thinking about myself. Right? And then he took it even a level further. And then he had a, he had a sponsee who called him about his sponsee. And then he realized in that moment, I'm not thinking about me and he's not thinking about him. And that's like, he was like, that's AA. Yeah, Yeah, I think people, I think uh, 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 people have a misconception of AA. I think it's service, service. It's it's like the, it's an escape from self. Like uh, selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our trouble. It'll kill us. If we're not rid of it, it's something like that yeah. in the literature. It will kill us in sobriety. Yeah. So all AA is is an avenue or outlet to getting to some of these places, like just going to a meeting and listening to someone else share, right? Well, that's a start. Yeah. And, and some people think 
that having a sponsor is like, oh, I'm, hel- I'm getting helped by this guy. But really what you're doing is you're allowing yeah, a sponsor to, help to, li- to <laughs> listen to you. You're a newcomer. Now, this, now you're, you're helping your sponsor by mm-hmm. talking to them about your problems because a sponsor who has more time than you most times needs to get out of themselves and they need to listen to someone else. And if they've experienced true humil- humility, they can do that. Wickham was telling me about how his sponsor doesn't usually call him and ask for advice. And I was saying that's one of the things I love so much about you, Billy. Billy called me, his sponsee, to get some advice, to talk to another alcoholic today. Because you have enough humility to admit that you're fucked up. You're not perfect. Well, I don't have a sponsor either because he disappeared. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's, I mean, we both have like a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah. But, no, no. Sometimes the roles switch for sure. It's, I appreciate that. Well, yeah, me too. And, and, and it's an example of your humility and your willingness to look flawed or bad. And some people might consider that a weakness, but I see it as a strength mm. to be able to just kind of let your guard down and be like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm having a bad day. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things in AA learn. Like it's always best to be honest, even if you're going to get a ration of shit for telling the truth, it just works out in the end. I mean, for me anyway, yeah, like just the truth and not like the real truth. Like, let's hear what's really going on. You shine a light on that. Are you starting over? Yeah. Yeah, shine a light on the truth. Like when I did ayahuasca in sobriety and it was a big question of whether to share about it at our (laughs) meeting because like our meeting is pretty gnarly. And we kind of decided that we weren't, I wasn't going to share about it. Mm. But then I just did. And they asked me to fucking speak the next week. Isn't that crazy? So what did they say? Nothing. Huh? Nothing. No one, no one has said anything to me, and, and it's and I built this whole thing up. That's another thing is we create, pro. We we just went on this trip to Lake Mead, and it was so incredible. I really want you guys to try to come one time. We're gonna make an annual trip out of it. I mean, bring summer, whatever. This is gonna be an ongoing thing that we're gonna do every year. It was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever I've ever been through. I've ever experienced in my life because um the last night we had this like we were all out on the on the back of the boat and and my friend jason asked me he said pat what do you like about steve my partner and hyper crush donnie right in front of everyone like what what do you love about steve let's just imagine that was he there too oh he was right there and i'm like okay huh that's interesting yeah, then, like then what happened? I just said like you're 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 super smart, you're really like cool, like you're open, you're loving, and like you're talented, and um, you've just always been like the cool guy, you know. I just got honest about all the things I love about Steve, which there's so many cool things about him, and then it moved like to me. Oh, and then everyone went around and mm. said things they like about Steve. And then it moved to me and everyone who was there, 15 people that I grew up with, but some people that I had just met, like, well, Jack, I've known for like a week or two, but like, we've now been on this trip together for like three or four days. So some of the people that didn't know the other people before the trip have gotten to know the people, not like on a deep level, but enough to be able to like give them some affirmation and like, 
and, and, and it just turned into this incredible thing where like everyone was, you know, expressing the things that they the, the thought about other people positive affirmations and strengths like Whoa. like tim was with Ange for a long time and tim this is dude tim says to Ange like you taught me how to love a woman and everyone started crying Whoa. it got like really deep and dope and like i felt like high for a second um that's some high level shit dude. yeah it was really cool um what were we talking about right before this that made me want to say this? We keep going, though. Let's hear more about that. I mean, oh, oh, this is why. Because right before we were talking about this, I, I was thinking about how we create shit that's not real. Like, um, you know, we, 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 I created this idea that they were going to freak out about the ayahuasca thing. Oh, my God. I had this whole scenario in my head about what they were going to think and... And then even like when I, right after I shared it, I was like, oh my God, I look like such an idiot. They're going to think I'm, I'm I, they're going to think I read, but all these things going through my mind. And so the reason that I thought about the affirmation circle is because J Steve started doing one on Jason, our friend Jason Evigan, who's like sold 20 million records. He wrote the new Maroon 5 single. He did the new Selena Gomez single. It was, I was in his first band. He's like a cool kid that we all went to middle school together. And Jason was saying how Steve was like this cool kid that came from the valley who would show up late to school and smoke cigarettes on campus. He had a mohawk. He wore Sex Pistol shirts. This is Donnie from Hypercrush. And we all thought he was super cool. But he thought that he was less than. And like he came from a dysfunctional family. And he always thought that we pitied him. Whoa. When the reality was that when Steve yeah. came to hang out, it was like, dude, this is like the dopest kid. We want to hang out with him, right? Wait, Steve or Jason? Steve. Oh, Steve. Okay. But Steve the whole time thought like that we were just pitying him Whoa. because he came from this super fucked up dysfunctional family. And like, I mean, his dad was like literally moving from house to house. I always felt that way too. Right, but you're like cool. It's just weird how and then and then and then Steve was telling well, so 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 then Steve started talking about Jason and how how Steve thought Jason was the cool kid. And Steve would go over to Jason's house and his family was super loving and they were like open and honest and like Steve always felt privileged to he 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 was telling Jason like I always like loved hanging out with you and and to be honest with you, we all felt so lucky to have Jason on this trip and he started crying who did Jason because wow. he felt privileged to be on the trip because we're still the cool guys and Jason and Victoria his wife talk about how when me and Veronica go over to their house they feel cooler wow. when we're there and it's just so weird how we have such low self-esteem and we think what we think other people are thinking about us is so off. It's so wrong. Maybe it's right. Maybe it's not. It just doesn't matter. We just need to be ourselves and, and bring love and, 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 and positivity and humility and courage and faith into all situations. That, and that's all that matters. And it's just such a, it was such an incredible like display of like how warped and how off our perception is for like 20 years we've thought these things about each other yeah. jason 
and Steve and, and Steve and Jason and me and Steve and um, it was just really cool and, and we, we made a pact at the end of the night that we were going to do this every year and try to expand it and um, I said I wish like Mika and Chris were there and um, I said it in front of everyone and I, I know you're like obviously you have a family and it's hard to get away but like some people you know Chris once said to me you know, we're not looking, I mean, he's busy, he's got a life, and I was like, yeah, I really want to have you guys over to this, to Jason's house, and be a part of this, like, this thing that we're doing, like, and he was like, yeah, you know, we're not, like, looking for, like, more friends, or new Whoa. people in our life, which is what happens when you get to be 30-something, yeah. or 40-something years old, it's like, that. Not that's not really, like, we're just trying to, like, survive, and, like, pay our rent, and, and keep, it's kind of hard to make time for the friends you do have. Yeah, all that. But what I experienced on this trip was so profound. And I think that having a network of like-minded people, you know, in, in or out of AA, in this situation, it's out of AA. But I think what we've learned in AA can help us bring things to this scenario. I mean, it was just so cool. And it's hard to explain like how incredible Jason and Victoria are. And some of the people that were on this trip are, but I just think that we all could benefit from like having a really cool extended network of friends and family. And like they do these things at their house. And I, I just want to um, bring you guys one time, you know? Sounds really cool. You have the, the largest network of anybody I know. Yeah, that's great. I didn't know you guys did that. Well, like, well, that makes me really, really, really like, I wish I could have gone. That oh sounds my amazing. God. Well, no, it's every year. We're, this is like, it was healing. It's the new Nasi. Yeah, it was healing for a lot of It's amazing of us. how it spontaneously sparked like that. But, Jason's so dope for doing but that. But Jason knows what's up. He does. He's very religious. Like he or I should say spiritual, like he knew what he was doing. Like he does, oh, these, for sure. he does these types of things at his house and he experiences it's because of this that he's become so successful straight up. And wow. it's the theme of this whole podcast really is like trying to find a God. I feel like in a world where it's so hard and, and, and the word, just the word God is so misrepresented and there's so much like, there's this shroud of like Western culture has brought such a negative connotation to like God and religion. It's hard to like move past that. But like really all God is is love and positivity and service and like humility. And like Jason has experienced that. And because of directly, as a direct result of that, he wrote What Lovers Do by Maroon 5. And he's just crushing it. I mean, because it's like, it's, it's not that, that we're looking for monetary gain, but it just put him in a place where he could be attract more positivity. But, but one of the things that they were talking about was how Jason is sort of a hub and he has that network and I'm also a hub and I have my network and we go to his house and he came on this trip and like, I want to try to bring them together. And, and he says that he values having me over there because like, the sobriety AA thing is like an important part of like, he feels like that adds a lot of value to like his, he calls it chumba. He literally has weekend festivals at his house all weekend. It's like 50 bucks. There's food, music, games, 
affirmation circles, hanging out with all these people, the like, these like-minded, like positive energy people. So it's like, it'll be really exciting to see how this evolves because I don't know if you guys remember, but like back in the day, like Jack Nicholson and like Hunter S. Thompson and like Johnny Depp and like different, you had these like, you know, these groups of creative like-minded people that would like gather together and like hang out a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, like Jack Carroll, like there would be like at somebody's house at any yeah, given like, time. Uh, we were talking about Steven Spielberg, Michael Scorsese, George Lucas. Yeah, like at any given time, you'd, you'd have all these people hanging out together and like some super successful, some not, some. Or some, all of them are successful. No, but like there, that doesn't necessarily mean that the, the, that the cool, like that the guy that's just like a regular, like my brother, he's just an electrician or like Billy, like he's a plant guy and he's content with what he does. Like we don't necessarily need to have. I'm content, no, I was, but I was just there's more about I want to do. No, I was just. Yeah. And, 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 and we can do that yeah. and we should do that. Yeah. Well, you have an amazing network and it's really interesting. So Astrid told me, Astrid's very passionate about AA. I mean, that's why she speaks all over the world and, and she's kind of like a semi-celebrity in AA or something. She told me that she thinks that AA is maybe, or no, that someone else said that AA might be one uh, the most, oh, let me think, what are the words? Profound spiritual revolution in the 20th century or something may be sparked by AA. 100%. And perhaps even yeah. all this now, even Joe Rogan talks about being kind and, and all these principles, maybe they sparked from AA because there's so many people in AA or maybe they're coming together, they're on the same wave. Yeah. But it's beautiful because it turns out, you know, me being fuck the world and I just want to die and fuck everybody. It turns out even me and you and you that fucking love and peace and kindness are super powerful. They give meaning to life. Yeah. Like life is not worth living without them. Uh, and networking, or I call it a tribe. I don't have any family or anything. So being connected to you, I mean, you've become family. You and my 100%. friend Jordan, I have a small family, an Astrid. But I don't really have any family besides that or any network. Uh, yeah, uh, you, we, you are, we are family. And I do believe that I have this tattoo, family-ship. It's basically like friendship, but like family. And I don't know, I've started businesses and bands with my friends. And I mean, we become family. I mean, Tim is, we're, it's, it's, it's a strength and a flaw of mine, I think. I don't really want to see it as a flaw because I believe with enough communication and honesty and humility, you can have joint ventures with friends and you can be fair. And if, the, if, if all the attitudes are right, like we will all flourish. Um, I'd like to believe that too. Yeah, so, so I mean... I, I think I also would agree that AA is like, it's like profound, you know, like it's just weird because it's alcohol, alcoholics, 
the word alcohol has it's it's for me it's transcended it's more about a a, a a way of life it's a spiritual way of life it's it's key it's like um it's it's a formula to live your life by it's what do they say it's principles to live your life by it's a design for living so it's 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 too bad that that it's called Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, that fucked me up for a long time. So I went to MA, NA. I went to all the A's except AA because I honestly am not a big drinker. Neither am I. Yeah, and so I didn't. I felt like an imposter in AA for a long time in front, until I decided that, well, if I do drugs, I'm going to drink. And if I drink, I'm going to do drugs. And then I decided, so that makes me an alcoholic. And now I realize that it's a mind function alcoholism is just a title it's what it's called that mental illness is called alcoholism it's a little bit weird and tricky yeah yeah i don't know i feel like it's sort of like one of the first things that you that i would want to translate to someone who's because the other the other programs just didn't do it it's like the meat and potatoes it's the the original and um I couldn't find my way in with all the junkies. Can and you close Veronica's door and tell her that her hairdryer is really loud? MA is a little bit washed down and whatever. A is the shit. It worked. That's, that's, that's where I stuck. I don't know. I guess everyone has their... I'm sure there's people in NA that really love NA and all that. And I like them all, actually. But But how do you explain to someone... Like... <clears throat> It's this new religion, but why alcohol? Why alcoholics? Because that's like sort of how it started. That's what we have in common. I don't understand the question. New religion. Well, you're saying that it's it's profound, like what it, the effect that it's had on like our culture. Oh, so it's almost too bad that it's being pigeonholed into like. Oh yeah, Astrid goes on further to say they're going to look back and this, this is the beginning of it. This is the infancy. They're going to look back at us and we're going to be like historical figures in AA. And that she has this big grand concept who, that I had never even considered. Figure? Sorry to interrupt, but who's going to be historical figures in AA? Us. Who's we're the begin. Uh, the begin. We're the founders. We're like in a hundred years from now. Uh, like okay. we're this very young still, and I'm. We're talking about how AA is more than just a way to get sober. It's a design for living. It really, mm -hmm. yeah. That everyone can benefit from. And Russell Brand is starting to like open up some doors and starting to explain the principles and how it can be effective for normal people and Astrid. And I mean, not that we're not, well, fucking it's pulled us out of the fucking gutter, dude, like yeah. broken out of the gutter, you know, Astrid was a prostitute and all that stuff. And, and now we're like living good lives. Yeah. But that's the thing. I feel like that's where we have commonality. Whereas someone who's not in the gutter, but just not happy can also gain well, it's the same from principle, it. yeah. And that's where I feel like we need to try to figure out a way to express these ideas and principles to people who have either accepted a lower bottom or aren't in dire straits. The, the only we the only thing I wonder is because the the like the entry requirement is right. profound desperation. And I don't and know a if desire some, to stop drinking or using. 
and a desire to stop drinking and using. But what if, what if, what if your desire is to just be content or peaceful? I don't know if you'll go to the lengths of giving up everything you think you know for something else, falling backwards into the abyss, surrendering completely. I don't know if you'll do that. But I mean, people do it with like religion all the time. Do they? I don't know. My friend Jason. My friend Jason did. He 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 was experiencing this guy who we're talking about. He was experiencing. He was in a dark place, but it wasn't because of drugs and alcohol. I mean, they may have played like a small part, but he's never admitted to being an alcoholic or a drug addict, and he's mm-hmm. still like you know will will experiment with stuff, and and it's like really what it is is an avenue to finding like something other than yourself some kind of other power i mean that's at the end of the day what we're trying to do in the program in aa which is why it's so hard because that's like the one thing that's like the hardest after you do all the steps and you're you're sober for a while and your life is better if you haven't found that thing that higher power thing it's it's going to be really hard. It's it's not going to work the same way. I don't think so. I have heard of uh, people who don't have uh, what do they call them? Agnostics. What are agnostics? people? No, not agnostic. That don't believe at all in God. Atheist. Yeah, atheist and AA. And but then they get up here and share, and they believe in a God. It's just not yeah some religious God. Yeah. So I don't know what you know. I don't know how you how people do that. Like I hear I, I've actually heard people who say they're atheists in AA, and they're like. They actually just don't have a God at all. But but they do. And it's crazy. I don't understand. But then they, maybe they, AA is their God. Something yeah, is their they, God. Yeah. They do. It's just not, they're just not calling it God. It's, it's, their, it's their ability to like be positive and humble and, and, and intuitively they have enough discipline to, like, to let go. Maybe they have God and they don't even know it. Right? They're just not calling it that. Right. They want to be unique mm. or different. Like I, I remember when I stood up in the beginning, like, and I was at Liberty House, they were like, you don't need to stop saying you're an addict. Just, just, just stop trying to be different. Just say you're an alcoholic. Oh, right. Yeah. Even though I wasn't, I didn't have an issue with alcohol, I would stand up yeah, and identify. That's why we would say addict, because we, I felt like I wasn't a big drinker. It's hard to say I'm an alcoholic when I didn't drink that much. But to understand alcoholism is to understand that it's a, it's a, it's a disease that centers in my mind. Yeah. And it's a flawed mind. That, 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 has, that has been warped through years of using and not experiencing emotional pain or not growing emotionally, but compounded with the fact that I was maybe also born with this or had it before I started using. And there's still a lot that's unclear. Except okay. for that we know that our minds are broken and we've accepted yeah. that. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, More will be revealed, I think, as time goes on and it's just interesting to have just been listening to the Elon Musk podcast with Joe Rogan and how they're talking about like integrating humans with AI and how we're basically already cyborgs right now with the phone, with the phone, with the phone. And, um, it's just going to be really cool to see how the human race evolves. Yeah. If we make it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think, what do you mean if we make it? I don't know. I mean, there's there's a threat of a pandemic. There's threat of pollution. There's threat of global warming and all these scary things. And I try not to dwell on scary things because it just makes me feel bad. And maybe it's all fine and good. 
but maybe not. Maybe, you know, it'll be a big die out and they'll start fresh again. Yeah. But yeah, I hear you. It's interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting with technology. It's advancing so much. I mean, what, 20 years ago? Was there cell phones 20 years ago? I don't know, but... No. Are we having technical difficulties again? Oh, we're good enough. Oh. There wasn't cell phones 20 years ago. It's not even been 20 years. I mean, yeah. I don't but even yeah, think... in 1998. Yeah, there was. You guys didn't have cell phones in 1998? I mean, not the way they are now. Oh, you didn't have just, smartphones. It was just a way of like. Oh yeah, yeah. They were they were cell phones, but they were not. It uh, was a whole, they weren't smartphones. Okay, yeah. it was just for calling and texting. Yeah, it was, it was literally not what it is now. Just to yeah. talk to someone else. Now it's an all-consuming device. I do all my banking and everything right on my phone. Or but food on there. I, I don't. Yeah. It's it's yeah, kind of like what, it's kind of like what we were talking about last night. It's like, yeah, there's all these potential negative things that could happen. It's just not, it's never going to be productive to even like entertain any of that. If it happens, it happens. But in the, in the meantime, we're, we're evolving and, and well, I like, uh, Waddles. I don't know. He's a fuck. What? I just record for the Sony at this point. But are you sure that it's not the card? I put the 500 gig in there. Right. And we're not even shooting at 4K, so it doesn't even matter. So we need to look into this. Yeah. Should we stop? Are we recording? Yeah, we'll just wrap it up. I mean, this thing keeps going out. Just stupid. See, this is this is another reason why we're not ready for like Kanye. Yeah. We're just not ready yet, you know. We got to like figure out. That's why it's good to just like really like learn about how we need to do this. You know, we're having some uh, issues with our Atmos, with our Sony over here, this camera, it keeps going out. But I mean, we have a, a consistent stream here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that definitely shed a lot of light on what it means to get sober and be sober and how to have humility and what that does. I mean, I, I personally really, really, even though it was kind of more mellow, mm-hmm. I, I think it was really good, a really good conversation. I like your story on the boat. Yeah, me too. Dude, it was crazy. I remember like getting up and like, you know, getting my drink and, you know, like I just felt like I was high. Yeah. I didn't want it. In the zone, dude. I've been there. So in the zone. And, and it, I didn't, fe- I felt like I didn't want it to end. And like our, our buddy Prosser was there and he's had the roughest life ever. And I feel like it was just so good for him to hear how everyone yeah, and, and when people cry in front of a lot of people that's some real shit because you know you won't normally like be that vulnerable unless you really can't help it bro you know? we we went from like victoria to prosser 
my brother's friend who works with my brother. Uh huh. Is it the dude that has the kids with the issues and all that? Okay. Yeah. And I literally was like hysterical. Crying? Yeah. I was like, he's had the worst <laughs> life. Like his family cast him out. Like he, and then his fucking eye, he had like this fucking eye. He, he, a piece of hot soldering iron went into his eye and like blinded him. And then he, he had a two twin kids and one of them had the most fucked up. He has um, charge, which is like, he has no cleft. He has no roof palate and he had a cleft lip and, and he's just had the, he's struggled with alcoholism and addiction his whole life. And he's just had such a hard life and, um, he's such a dope guy and he's been wanting to get sober and he's, he's tried so many times and me and him had this long conversation, like after that affirmation circle about how he wants to get sober. And it was just such a powerful, he's not. No, he's not. Mm -hmm. He was like drunk during the, the, the circle and like kind of being a little bit annoying actually. And my brother was like blacked out on the other boat. Like it was gnarly, but like a seed was planted, you know? And if we can save a life the way our lives were saved, so that's it. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what it's all about. All right, cool. So yeah, thanks for uh, coming and hanging out. Thank you. All right. See you next time, guys.